Thanks, John. Um, if you guys have your Bibles this morning, uh, if you guys could open them up to the book of Genesis. And uh, we're going to be looking at two passages this morning. And uh, one is in Genesis, and the other is in Hebrews. So Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. And this is what it says. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God, and after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Uh, let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I thank you, Lord, for our hearts that are here this morning. I pray, Lord, uh, that you would open our hearts to receive the word that you have to give to us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me um, just in a manner, uh, humbly, Lord, to, to deliver whatever message it is that you have to your people this morning. And I pray, Lord, that it would all be worshiped to you. So we thank you for this time together, and uh, we look to you. And it's all this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So one of the greatest questions uh, a, Christian, a Christian can ask themselves in this lifetime is, how do I become closer to God? It's a question everyone has thought about, even non-Christians, right or wrong, and most everybody has formed some kind of opinion about how it is that we uh, become closer to God. And so um, as I wrestled with that question too, I did what any good Christian does, and I went home, and I opened up my laptop, and I searched Google. <laughs> um, and to my delight, uh, there is a website called WikiHow. And if you don't know this, Wikipedia is the kind of know-it-all website. You want to search anything, you go to Wikipedia. Well, now Wikipedia has these subcategories, these sub-search engines, and uh, one of them is WikiHow. And um, Wikipedia says this about WikiHow, that their mission statement is to build 
the world's largest how-to how to do manual. And so you can see why I would go there first, right? Um, so I asked Wiki how, how can I become closer to God? How do I draw near to God? And this is what it told me to do. So there are 13 steps, and um, you need at least 12 to get anywhere, right? Um, so here we go. Step one. Step one is pray. All right, we're on the right track. Step two, don't try to be boastful or pray anything fancy. Step three, confess your sins. Step four, ask your Christian friends about prayer. If you aren't the best at prayer, you can also look online. <laughs> Step five, think about God. Is always, he's always right next to you. He's, he's with you like a friend. Step six, uh, talk to your pastor about questions that you might have. And then it lists different topics like free will versus predestination, um, talks about the problem of pain, you know, all these questions that you guys uh, should ask Michael Davis. <laughs> and uh, step seven, this is where it gets good. Step seven, read your Bible. Step eight, pay attention in church. Step nine, participate in church, right? Um, singing in church and doing the actions you're supposed to do, like bowing your head, standing up, and sitting down are not enough. So, and it really says this, so volunteer as much as you can. Step 10, be honest with your thoughts and feelings. Step 11, resist violence and fights. <laughs> Read your Bible to help you keep your eternal cool. That's what it says. Uh, step 12, if you're Catholic, go to confession at least once every two to three months. Step 13, hang out with people of the same faith so that your faith will grow stronger, including when two, three, or more people agree for God to answer. So, according to WikiHow, if you're a Christian, you have 12 steps, and if you're a Catholic, you got 13 steps, <laughs> which is just kind of right. Um, and then you'll find yourself closer to God. So this list of steps, um, some of them are actually worth following. Some of them are just kind of funny. But if you think about it, we all have our own list, right? We all have our own list about what we believe about religion, theology, ethics, and also important questions like, how do we draw near to God? And your idea probably is probably different from my idea, which is probably different from the ideas of the people that are sitting next to you. So this morning, we want to ask the Bible, how do we draw near to God? And as we continue in on our series and characters, we find Enoch, who lived a life that was in close relationship with the creator of the universe. For 300 years, he was in relationship with him. And then after that, in an instant, God took him. Outside of that, we don't really know that much about Enoch. Um, so the question is, why are we talking about him this morning? Well, the Bible does make clear that he did one thing and one thing well, and that is that he walked with God. And that one thing, that one thing, not a list of things, but that one thing was enough for God to be pleased with him. And as we take a look deeper into the walk of Enoch, uh, we find 
that Enoch's walk was not measured in miles. It wasn't measured in years, but it was measured in his faithfulness. And so how does one draw near to God is the question. Well, Enoch shows us that Christians draw near to God by walking in faith, in faith. And so uh, with our time together this morning, uh, I wanted to point out three things that's going to inspire all of us with our walk as well. The first is faith starts with God. The second is faith walks with God through anything. Third, faith walks toward what we hope for. So faith starts with God. Faith walks with God through anything. And faith walks um, toward what we hope for. So first, faith starts with God. Verse 6 in Hebrews says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists. Must believe that he exists. And you're thinking, it's kind of a funny place to start when you're talking about walking with God, right? I mean, imagine if, like, you're trying to go on a walk and someone sits you down and is like, hey, okay, before we go on this walk, I know you guys got here at, like, 5.30 in the morning, but, you know, before we go on this walk, let's everybody sit down and we're going to talk about the existence of God. You might think there are more interesting things to talk about here, more practical questions like, where are we going? How far are we going? Uh, What's the path? When will we get there? What do I need to bring with me? You know, most people would say something like, let's get on the road first, right? Let's start running, and then maybe we could talk about these theological questions that you might have along the way. That's great multitasking, right? But the Bible says that before you get on the road, before you get on the road, let's start with who you're walking with. Albert Einstein, he once said that our age can be defined by people who perfect process, processes but are confused on purpose. The Bible starts with the premise that faith begins with what verse 3 and 6 of Hebrews says is an understanding of God's word and believing he exists. In other words, the Bible is saying If you want to have faith, you must first understand. Or in other words, it's saying you must choose to think about God. Choose to think about God. Contrary to popular belief, faith actually starts with thinking. But what does the world say? The world says that Christianity is a made-up religion full of people who don't know how to think for themselves. But just lean, we just lean on blind faith. The world thinks that Christians are weak-minded people who don't think but just believe. Even the dictionary definition of faith says that faith is a belief that's not based on evidence. So if you've ever heard the phrase, uh, just take a leap of faith, right? What is it saying? It's saying, close your eyes, right? Jump and just hope for the best. That's what the world thinks. Well, uh, C.S. Lewis dispels what the world thinks about faith. And he says, he argues that Christian faith actually starts with thinking. So he says, the old definition of faith is the power to believe what we know to be untrue. 
But now I define faith as the power to continue to believe what we honestly know is true until someone can change our minds through clear reasoning. Faith starts with thinking, which leads to believing. So let's say, let's say there's like a special occasion, right? Let's say there's a birthday. Uh, let's say there's an anniversary. And you're looking for a new place to eat, a new restaurant to, to look into and eat. Uh, what do you do? Well, you don't really go get in your car, um, drive down some kind of random street, pick a place and be like, well, I hope it's good, right? If you did that, then I'm sure you would not be in charge of scheduling uh, birthday or anniversary dinners from that point on, right? So what do you do, right? You, you get on your computer or you get on your phone, you acquire information, right? You research, you think about it. You look at the reviews, where's the restaurant? How nice is this restaurant? What does it look like inside? Um, what's the cost? What are, what are people saying what's good on the menu? What should I order? So you gather this information, you think about it, and then you make a decision. You make a choice to go and check it out. And then when you go and you see for yourself that that really was the best Chipotle that you've ever been to. <laughs> right? Those little cubes of steak are really good. So, um, and then after you go to the restaurant, you go back home, uh, you get on your computer and you, you'll give it five stars yourself in hopes that someone else will go and experience the same thing that you did, right? It's kind, of a, it's kind of a silly example, but in a similar way, Christian faith also starts with thinking. Some people would say that our age is in a crisis of faith, not because of thinking, but because of the lack of thinking. Norman Cousins uh, says this, about our age. He says, our age is not likely to be set apart in history for the large number, numbers of people who insist on finding time to think. Plainly, this is not the age of the medieval man. It's a sprinting, squinting, shoveling age. Almost daily, new ways of contemplation spring into being and leap out from store counters. So as soon as we uh, go home, we turn on the TV, we go on our computers, we look on our phones, um, we are told by the world the things that we should care about. And the things that the world tells us that we should care about are things like appearance, right? Popularity or likes. Um, we're, we're told that we want to be entertained. We are told that we are to care most about the things that don't require much thinking at all. You know, Tony Robbins uh, self-help guru, he says this. He says that we're not, we actually aren't in an information age. We're in an age of entertainment. And if that is true, if that's a true question, or if that's a true statement, the question that we want to ask is, how are we? How are we able to determine what really matters? Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, he says this, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, Paul is saying, remember what you've learned about God. 
Think about the qualities of God. And now practice them. Walk in it. And God will be with you. God is with us when we understand his word and when we choose to walk where God is going. Amos 3.3 says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Enoch's faithfulness started with thinking, which led to a belief, which led to walking with God. And God was with him through every situation, both the good and the bad. Which leads me to my second point, that faith walks with God through anything. Faith walks with God through anything. Hebrews 11 starts by saying that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, uh, the conviction of of things not seen. So when we hear, hear words like assurance, right? When we hear words like conviction, what do we think of? We think of a faith that is grounded, right? That is anchored, not moving. Even though there's stuff moving all around us, we think of a faith that is unshakable, which was true in the time of Enoch. He started with a firm belief in God so that when he chose to walk with him, he could walk with him even through times of trouble. Well, what do I mean, right? There isn't much to Enoch's story. So most people, when they read the story of Enoch, they're thinking, well, what's the big deal? Like, he walked with God through fields of green, right? There was no trouble along the way. He just walked. Um, but there is a reference uh, of Enoch in the book of Jude towards the end of the Bible. So Jude, the brother of Jesus, um, and Jude shows us a little bit more insight into the walk of Enoch. And it says in chapter 4, uh, not chapter 14, verse 14 of Jude, it says that it was also about these things that Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. So Jude tells us that Enoch wasn't walking in fields of green singing, everything is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you. If you haven't seen the Lego movie, that's where it comes from. Uh, everything is awesome. Um, instead, he was walking in muddied water, preaching God's judgment to ungodly people. Enoch walked with God through difficult situations with difficult people. He lived in a time where the lines were blurred, where people said that they believed in God, but in the end, they just looked to their own interests. Think about how difficult that would have been to walk in that for 300 years. Think about how tempting it would have been to just say, I'm just going to follow what everybody else is doing. Or to say, forget it. It's, this is too hard. I'm just going to hang it up. But Enoch was assured that God's way was better. And he chose to walk in that. Faith is choosing to walk with God through anything. But if faith equals assurance, if faith equals 
conviction, then the question is, what's the enemy of that faith? What's the thing that's trying to tear it down? Hebrews 11 contrasts faith with things that are visible. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians, he says, walk by faith and not by what? By sight. In the New Testament, the conflict with faith is not reasoning, it's not thinking, but it's sight. You know, um, many people, they don't know this about me, and they're kind of surprised when they hear this, but I'm actually very afraid of heights. Um, And so a couple of years back, there was this growing exercise fad of uh, indoor rock climbing. And uh, back when I lived in Atlanta, and Yunmi and I, uh, we went to an uh, indoor rock climbing gym. And in Atlanta, they were building the largest one in the, in the state, which was about three stories tall. And so we decided to go and check it out. And uh, we were immediately greeted by the climbing specialists uh, who were extremely helpful. And they talked us through all the safety points. They explained all the equipment to us. And they did a very good job of it. And for someone like me who's afraid of heights, I was like, okay, you know, I can do this. I'm going to be okay. Nothing bad is going to happen. And so they strap on the vest on me, which felt a little bit like a straight jacket. And they attached a safety rope onto me. And the instructors, uh, they stayed on the ground with the other end of the rope, holding the other end of the rope. And so they're instructing us um, on, on what to do. And I'm about five steps away from the base of the wall. So I walk up to the base of the wall, and I look up, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was, like five steps away. And so what I do is I, I put my hand on the first climb hole, put my foot up, push off the ground. Not bad. Do it again. Hand on the hold. Okay. Foot on the hold, and then push. Okay. And everything's okay, right? So I do it again, and, and, and by this time, Yunmi's already at the top. So, um, <laughs> so I, I go again, and the ground is like six feet under me, and I take a look, and as soon as I take a look, my heart starts to beat a little bit faster, right? The pan- my hands are getting clammy, starting to sweat a little bit. Basically, fear had slapped me right in the face as soon as I looked at the ground. And so after about, you know, 10 more minutes of, okay, I can do this, I made it to about halfway up the uh, wall. And I was feeling confident. I was feeling good. Okay, I've got this. And then I did what I should not have done, and that was look at the ground again. And then when I did that, I froze solid. I could not move physically. And so if I pause for a minute and I explain the situation, this is what's going on. So what happened was that fear struck me not because I was thinking, but because of sight. Because I looked at the ground and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I knew the instructions, right? We already went through the safety tips. I knew the equipment that I was using. I forgot, but, I, but, I, but I, then again, I knew that there was a safety rope on me so that I wouldn't fall. But as soon as I saw the ground, I lost my faith. 
So after a little bit of convincing and uh, about 10 more minutes, I was able to think, okay, I'm going to be okay, and then finally made it to the top of the wall. Faith gives us the power to walk through anything. But the problem is that we're a people who are less thoughtful and a little bit more reactionary. Our assurance can be easily shaken by the things that are right in front of us. Uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty known, like everybody knows that in this life, everyone, everyone will experience some level of pain and suffering. What happens when something bad happens? You lose a job, you know, someone gets sick. Things don't go like the, ways that, the way that they should. What happens if your mood changes? Faith is teaching and commanding your mood when it needs to change. But lack of faith means that we're going to be swayed by the circumstances around us. It means that the moods will start to change our faith, right? And only the things that we see in front of us will be the things that matter. Then what happens? Uh, the world then becomes our anchor, and it pushes us further and further away from God. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once said this about sight and faith. He said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how a man can look up into the heavens and say there's no God. If we only see the ground before us, where does God have room to speak? Look up in times of trouble. Look up in times of sorrow, of worry. Faith is walking with God through anything. Lewis also says this about faith. He says, if we wish to be rational, not now, not then, but constantly, we must pray for the gift of faith. For the power to go on believing, not in the teeth of reason, but in the teeth of lust and terror and jealousy and boredom and indifference. Lewis is saying, don't pray against reason and thought, but pray against the things that we see in ourselves. Pray against the things that we see in the world around us and in the people around us. Enoch chose to believe, even though he saw lust and terror and jealousy and boredom and indifference all around him for 300 years, 300 years. So finally, we got to ask ourselves, how did Enoch find the power to walk in these troubled times, and how can I find that power too? Which leads to my third point, faith walks toward what we hope for. Faith walks toward what we hope for. Hebrews 11 says that faith is assurance of the things that we hope for. What Enoch hoped for in his time is also true for us in our time as well. And that's not, and that is that it's not enough to believe in the idea of a God. That's not going to change us. But if we believe that God exists not as an idea, but as a person, then that changes everything, right? You can't interact with an idea. You can't walk 
in full satisfaction with an idea. But if God exists and God is a person, then what do you want to do? You want to know him, right? You want to uh, think about him. You want to please him. You want to listen to him. You want your family to please him. You want your work to please him. You want your life to please him if he's a person and not an idea. Enoch didn't walk 300 years based on an idea or a list of steps. If he did, I, don't, I just honestly don't know if he would have had the power to walk as long and as far as he did. It says that Enoch could only walk in the power of his relationship with God. So in uh, Genesis 5.24, in the NLT, it says that Enoch walked in close fellowship with God. You can't have fellowship with an idea, but only a person. John Salehammer says that God didn't walk with people who just followed the rules, but he chose men like Enoch who had no written law to exemplify what it means to walk with God. Then he goes on to say that Moses, the author of Genesis, wanted to show us God's desire to teach us a better way to live than mere legalism. Enoch found a better way, which ultimately pleased God. If we just follow the rules above faith in a personal God, what happens? Right? We become anxious, we become angry, bitter, jealous, we become controlling. And guys, one of the things that I struggle with as I stand here before you today is anxiety and fear. Um, sometimes when I walk with my eyes to the ground, you know, one of the things that grips me is what do people think about me? You know, uh, what do people think about how I'm performing? And then that becomes the only thing that matters to me. But when I look up and I remember and I think about the God who I'm walking with, that it's a person, then there's forgiveness, right? There's grace. There's fellowship again. There's a, there's a desire for me to get back up and to please him because he's a person and not an idea. Choosing to walk with God in faith starts with a belief in God, which will lead you to a personal God, which will lead you to Jesus Christ. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21 says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was mani made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Friends, don't walk for imperishable things. Walk towards what you hope for, what we all hope for. To have faith and fellowship in a person and not an idea, that's what we hope for. 
Believing in God, believing that God exists, is believing in Jesus Christ. As it says in Colossians, that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the person of Jesus. God is inviting you to walk with him today and every day through the good and the bad. Today. Let our imperishable God be your reward, as it was for Enoch as he walked right into eternity with God. God wants to have fellowship with you in Jesus because God is personal and he's also a person. Walk by faith in Jesus. Believe it was his blood sacrifice that washed away your sins. Believe that he conquered death on a cross. Believe that he was raised to life and he's going to raise you to life as well. Walk with Jesus and you will draw near to God.